0: Alrighty, welcome back from the episode of Two Plane Sports. Today, it is a recruiting-only video. Uh, we know you guys love these videos. I know we've been slacking a little bit. We've been consistent with our live stream, but we thought we'd get out a, a recruiting update uh, video. Obviously, um, as you're watching this, this is Wednesday, December 13th. Um, some stuff happened yesterday uh, with Caden Green, less than ideal for Oklahoma. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Where does Oklahoma look in the transfer portal for offensive linemen? What's going on on, along the defensive line between transfers and potentially another four or five star, depending on what site you look at, uh, that's currently committed elsewhere. And then we're going to finish it all up and talk a little little bit of the tight end room. So before we do, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. We're on our way to 6,200 subscribers as we're watching or as we're recording this video. We're about 60 subscribers away. So Let's get to 6,200, hit the button, turn the notification bell on, because we go live every Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Central, and then follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Apple, Spotify. Everything's linked in the description below, all at 2 Plane Sports. So, as I said at the top, Caden Green's out. Um, I guess there is a world where he could come back, but based on the reports, it seems like it might be uh, mutually beneficial that this is a relationship that has ended, and – both parties go their separate ways. So assuming that does happen, we're not going to drown on on that. Um it is if you're curious what we what our thoughts are, you can check out our live stream. Long story short, we don't have confirmation, but it does not look good and it looks like maybe some schools were uh, uh cheating. <laughs> cheating, yes. Just a little
1: bit. Just a cheating. little bit. Cheating.
0: Um definitely from the outside looking in, that's the way it appears, but Maybe there's more to the story, but you never know. So where does Oklahoma look along the offensive line? At this point, Oklahoma is looking to replace all five starting offensive linemen from this season, which is pretty unprecedented. They haven't done that in a long time since what was it, after the twenty nineteen season when with Baker, I believe, or was it twenty eighteen season, whenever uh they won, you know, the best offensive line was it the Bob Moore Award or whatever it is? I thought
2: it was the Joe Moore. Moore Award.
0: Joe yeah. Moore, yeah, not Bob. Joe Moore Award. You know, they lost. This guy doesn't know ball. I know, not at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I knew it's a three letter word, um, but they haven't done that where they're having to replace most, or in this case, all their offensive line. So when you look at it, naturally you think, okay, they got Spencer Brown. Um, he, he can contribute and play a starting starting role. Um, Jacob Sexton could as well. Um, could Joshua Bates step up as a redshirt freshman? Maybe. Um, but Oklahoma needs to add a couple of veteran guys here. So where do they look? I mean, they've got Spencer Brown in the bag. He's going to visit this weekend. Um, he will also be visiting with his former teammate uh, from Michigan State, Geno Vandemark. Uh, he's coming down he played a couple games in, in 2022, that uh, started. Um also started last year, I think it was 9 or 10 games or something like that in the 2023 season. Can play the interior offensive line. And that's where Oklahoma really needs some help here because Spencer Brown plays the tackle position and you've got Sexton. And you need someone to come in and play the interior offensive line. And I think Gino is a guy that could fill that role. He's versatile. Um, he's got some starting experience playing in the Big Ten. He's talented. Um, so I like the odd you know, you like the odds there with Spencer Brown already on board. Um, another guy that, oh, you could be looking at, I'm just going to go through and then I'm going to get your guys' thoughts is Fabeki Nawayu. And I apologize, you know, I am notorious for butchering names. So, you know, if I butchered it, my apologies, but he's the, uh, Offensive lineman from UNT with the connection to uh, Seth Luttrell. He finished up his redshirt sophomore year, so he's going to come in with a couple years of uh, eligibility um, to Oklahoma if he does indeed commit to Oklahoma or wherever he goes. And then Oklahoma Oklahoma's also looking at Chase Pizontes from Texas A&M, the freshman that came in, started every game. Everyone wants him. Uh, very highly sought-after commodity in the transfer portal, probably Chase Besantes is probably the most far-fetched guy that we talked about. So with all that, after five minutes, people are like, good Lord, stop talking. Jose, what are your thoughts um, on what Oklahoma needs to do? A couple of guys that I mentioned for this offensive line, I and mean, this is the number one spot that Oklahoma needs to fill in this transfer portal at this point. Well, Gino
1: and Fabeki are were already pretty important targets for this portal cycle, because as we've mentioned multiple times over the last couple of years, OU hasn't really been recruiting true guards out of high school, mostly offensive tackles that eventually transition to guard, i.e. Kane Green. So they were important. Now they just became that much more important because like you mentioned, you're having to replace the entire starting group. Now, I don't think it's that, that, I mean, you were talking about it, and it made me feel, maybe in a positive light, not the worst thing ever. Because now you're not having to just do do a patch job for one or two spots. You can get a whole group of guys that you'll see, okay, these are the five that should have the best chemistry and will need to develop as a unit. And hopefully in a couple years, have another Joe Moore award-winning line. Now, obviously, I'm not expecting that to happen. That's the ideal scenario, but we had to do that. We had to do it once before. You got a group of five guys that had similar eligibilities, all did it, to, all kind of grew up together along that offensive line, and it worked out for Oklahoma in the long run. Well, OU have some struggles next year, yes, but I, but if you bring in Gino, I think that alleviates at least communication errors between him and. Um, and Spencer Brown, given that they played together. And I believe they both played on the same side of the line at Michigan State. Fabeki has some familiarity with Luttrell. He's been there. He was recruited there in 2021. And I believe that was the last season that Luttrell was the head coach at UNT. So he's at least familiar with the scheme and probably joined uh, UNT, assuming that he was going to be playing for Luttrell for at least a couple of years. So he's got, he's got to have some familiarity. Um, I, I think you, in a perfect world, you get both of them because even if they aren't starters, kind of similar to a Caleb Schaefer from last year, you need them for depth in case there's an injury, which there's always going to be at least one, unfortunately, on the offensive line where they just go down for one or two games, need someone to fill in and be able to help uh, and make sure you're not losing any productivity especially when you have a freshman and a first year starter in Jackson Arnold, where you want to make sure he's not having to stress about looking down and making sure his offensive line isn't just letting people run free and go kill him like the Cincinnati Bengals do for Joe Burrow.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I mentioned on the live stream that I think this offense is the most talented we've seen since Baker Mayfield, as long as we can protect and run the ball and that it comes down to the offensive line. Obviously I think, I think we need at least two dudes in the portal. We talked about it in the live stream as well. And I think if I had my choice of two dudes, I would pick Vandermark and I would pick Chase Basantis. With Vandermark, it, it, the, the connection that he, that he already has with Spencer Brown doesn't suck. It's going it, to, it only benefits them. And and Chase Basantis is a dude who was offered by everybody. Uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, Florida, uh, Clemson, you name it, he was offered. They're both like 6'5", 300-pound dudes, I think if you land two of those dudes, one of them, whatever, you, you got to bring some of these dudes in and, and ease some of that um, that pressure and stress that Brum kind of spoke into existence a couple weeks ago when he started talking about how bad Oklahoma was going to be on the offensive line during a live stream and, and made us all freak out about it. Um, but get a couple of these dudes. You can start relaxing a little bit. Chase Basantis is the dream.
0: You can relax and, you know, there'll be growing pains. At least you'd have some starting experience if you can land. I mean, you've got Spencer Brown and you land these, you know, at least two of these three guys that we're talking about. Oklahoma, I think at a minimum, will take three offensive line transfers here. Whether it's, you know, Spencer Brown plus Febecky and um, Gino Vandermart or it's someone else. I I think at a minimum they're taking three, if not a fourth. Um, They might not all start. Yeah,
2: I think Spencer Brown needs to be on the phone with Gino like every day until it happens.
0: Well, and, I'm sure, you know, but... yeah, Gino and Spencer Brown are taking their visit together. That doesn't uh, suck. You would like to think that, uh, you know, former teammates that have known each other for years would be like, hey, come on, just come down here and let's continue. They can just, they can just go
2: from packing Zins up in East Lansing to
0: packing Zins together in Norman. Essentially the same exact thing. So the offensive line is by far the most critical component to this whole team. Like you said, Brandon, I mean, this is an extremely talented team. Um, They're going to be able to score points as long as Jackson Arnold can get, you know, protection and not be killed uh, every week and running for his life. Like Spencer Rattler was with South Carolina last week or last week, last year.
2: And yeah, you got to create some holes for those running backs
0: too, because they're, they're pretty special too. For sure. So, Let's talk on the other side of the trenches. Some, you know, defensive line recruiting is probably always a, a hot topic and people absolutely love to talk about. Chris McClellan. So I feel like we're back in what was it, 2021 or whatever it was. Um, it just it just popped back up, and, and here we are. We're, we're jumping back two years, and, and, and now Chris McClellan, we're talking about his recruitment again. He's in the portal. He's going to be doing an in-home visit with uh, Oklahoma tomorrow, then going to Missouri and then going to Colorado. He knows what he needs to know at Oklahoma. so he. De- I mean, he's not going to visit Oklahoma or at least right now. And then he'll ultimately make the decision. Seems like Oklahoma's been proactive with Chris McClellan. Seems like they've obviously prioritized him. Um, they tried to convince him to stay last, you know, before he went to Florida, but didn't really have proof in the pudding. Now Brent Venables and the staff does have that. Does Oklahoma get this done before he boards the plane to go to Missouri? That's I hope so. so.
2: I think I think the, like the the defensive line and the future of the defensive line, the outlook of the defensive line is like the polar opposite of what the offensive line is like right now. It, th- that's a room where you feel. No matter what, even if we don't get these these kids that are about to talk about, you still feel really, really good about Oklahoma's defensive line. And if you watch the live stream on Tuesday, we kind of wrapped it up by talking about it would it would just be like I think Brum used the word gravy to describe Dion Burks. And, and it was because that was not really a huge area of need. That was a very talented wide receiver room. Obviously, you take more receivers, especially guys like him, if 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 they want to come. If you can land a guy like Chris McClellan, um just to throw him with who's already there with who's coming in the 2024 class. That's, it's going to be crazy. Like that, that, that D line going forward is going to be bananas. And so, I mean, and him being from Wasso doesn't suck. I don't think him being best friends or close friends with Gentry Williams doesn't suck. Let's, let's get it done boys.
1: Yeah. Basically everything you just said, Braden, That. That base that summarizes what this recruitment for Chris McClellan again is gonna be like. You gotta hope that you can prevent him from getting on those planes. Now, it seems extremely unlikely given that Oklahoma, I believe, has already visited him once at Florida. So he's the fact that he's going to get going to meet Oklahoma again. Before he does take those other two visits has to be a positive thing for OU where you can leave a really big mark on where that decision is going to lean once he does make that decision. The things you worry about, right, when you look at the other two programs, I mean, we're, we're seeing it with Missouri. And I think they're basically just dropping their entire load in this 2023 cycle, both high school and transfer portal. Um, NIL wise, they're going to look like AM did in 2022, where they did everything they could to get the best, and then they can't recruit much after the fact. Which you know is an approach. Some may say good, some may say bad. Uh, it, it is something. And then Colorado, they just were terrible on both sides of the of the line. They could not protect your door. They ended up getting some uh, a back injury that prevented him from playing the last game game or two of the of the Buff season. And their defensive line couldn't stop the run. think somehow it was worse than USC's. Which is tough to do. So you they need help. And they're going to pay what they need to. To make sure that they get that help. I don't know how much NIL is going to be a factor here. But I, don't, I do think Oklahoma will play it. To make sure that they can keep an inside guy. Get him to come back to play. For the state of Oklahoma. And having that help on the defensive line never hurts, especially because after next year, he will still have eligibility. He'll still have two or two, he'll have three years, including next year. So post 20, post year one of the SEC, he'll have two more years. You're probably going to lose a guy like, uh, you're going to lose Terry more, more than likely losing Lacey, uh, or you're definitely losing Lacy. Lacey, excuse me. And then, um, so you've got to fill in those, those spots for the future with with experience, so you're not having to go back to the transfer portal every single year for more interior defensive line help.
0: You'd hope not, but I guess if Chris McCullen came in this year and put together a fantastic year, he could be going on the draft, uh, which is a good thing because at the end of the day, you can sell recruits and transfers on that. Um, it's totally a, a 180 compared to what OU has been selling to players on the uh, defensive line. Saying on the uh, defensive line, a, a 2024 kid that uh, I think we've talked about at length months and months ago, but he hadn't really been a topic of discussion, is Dominic McKinley um, until the recent developments with Jimbo being fired and Mike Elko being hired as the head coach. And now that um, their position coach is the D.C. of Syracuse, it seems like some the wheels are falling off a touch. A little bit, or at least rumblings are. Dominic McKinley has now been reported that he will not sign in the early national signing day and will be postponing it until February, which to me, if you're Oklahoma, I think that's a win. Or honestly, any other program, whether it's Oklahoma, Texas, or LSU. Um, He's obviously unsure. Oklahoma's going to be doing an in-home with him um, Thursday, I believe, or late this week. I think Oklahoma's going to go all in and, and try to flip him and put the full-court press on him because you, you felt like Oklahoma had a really good shot for a long time, then all of a sudden A&M pulled it off. It seemed like OU might have been second. Oklahoma went in here and won this recruitment in addition to Chris McClone. You want to talk about winning the off season, winning the transfer portal season. I know this isn't a transfer, but th- this would this would be ridiculous if OE if, was able to do this. Yeah, if you do
2: that, I think Todd Bates is gonna start getting some some uh some head coaching offers. Like maybe on the spot.
1: Yeah, potentially. And let me shout out uh Syracuse making sure that they pulled away Elijah Robinson from A and M, which again not to beat a dead horse there, but the fact that he didn't get the, whole, the head coaching job. I understand that interim coaches rarely get those spots, but they fought so hard to keep him. Might as well just give him the spot since you felt so highly of him, then you give him an opportunity to leave, which he took, and it opens up that door for Oklahoma. For Dominic McKinley, McKinley was very open at saying, like, Robinson is a reason I'm going to stick around regardless of what that head coach, uh, who the head coach is. Now He's gone. Oh, you. Def. it's not a we think we know they're putting the whole full court, full court press on him you've seen the his peers in the 2024 class that are committed to Oklahoma currently openly tweet about how he needs to join that power line they got a new graphic where his silhouette is there alongside all of theirs you know if you, if we remember the first one that was created he was part of it Zena uh, was also part of it obviously he's a Texas now but that that power line graphic definitely lost a couple of people throughout the recruiting cycle. Now they added him back. So these kids are definitely going to do everything they can to do a lot of peer, peer recruiting. And Todd Bates, Javis, BV are going to, to do their part to, to make sure that he feels comfortable because from everything that's been reported, his family, the people around him feel very comfortable with who Todd Bates is as a person and who, you know, who they're basically giving their giving, uh, dominating too for the next three to four years kind of just got to sell him on Norman being the place for him to to succeed because he was also a player that isn't just he's going to play school and play football he was very open about wanting to get uh an engineering degree and Oklahoma's got a good engineering program yeah,
2: so I used to do it I know a guy you,
1: yeah I do know a guy or a guy or two that did get a good engineering degree there. oh
2: shoot we know a couple guys
0: yeah you're right but yeah you know a couple, um, yeah. There's, I can, I can vouch. It's, it's solid, Dominic. Come on home. Yeah. There's, so. there's not, there's not much
2: more to add. To what you guys said. I mean, just you get Dominic McKinley, and especially with Chris McCullough. I mean, if you get either or, but if you can somehow get both, man, that that D line of the future is going to be just
0: disgusting. I mean, really, really, really good. For sure. And we'll wrap this video up with uh, talking. Along the offense, the tight end room. The tight end room is another position of need. Um, I would say probably number two behind the offensive line. Um, I agree. Oklahoma recently you know, offered Jalen Conyers and was kind of going after Jalen Conyers, but he took a visit at Texas Tech and pulled the trigger, and he's committed to Texas Tech. So he's off the board. Um, Oklahoma is set to visit here um, here pretty soon. I think it's uh, this weekend. Um, he'll be. Uh, it'll be. Uh, what's his name? Holden. Stace. Holden. Holden Stace. Stace. I. Yeah, Sounds I was like blanking. That. Holden Stace from Notre Dame, the number thirteen overall prospect in the uh, in the transfer portal last year, put together a stat line of fifteen catches, one hundred seventy-six yards, and four touchdowns for the for the Irish. Um, a guy that can catch the ball. Fill the role, fill the fill the need that Oklahoma needs. Um he visited Tennessee recently. He'll be going to visit uh Washington and then uh visit Oklahoma. So hopefully you can make it through that Washington visit. Um if you hadn't already. And then um hopefully it's Oklahoma in the end. But I, I think you've got Joe John Finley now locked into Oklahoma. He's he's gotta go get himself a tight end or two. In this, I mean, obviously, you got De- Devon Mitchell, but I, I think they got to take at least one. Me, I, I would like to see two, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I think with JoJo john there, it's only going to help. I mean, him being a part of the offensive play caller now, like he's he's a tight end man. You got to think he's going to try to get his guys involved. And Holden stays is a dude, like six four two fifty. 250 he's offered by everybody. He's stamped, you know, he got the Bama stamp of approval. He would be a perfect way to bridge that gap between what I think Devon Mitchell is going to be. I compared Devon Mitchell to like Calvin Johnson-esque uh, just as far as his athleticism and his, his, uh, his physique, what, 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 he brings to the table there. I think he has a lot of just freak athlete stuff to him, I, and, and but he's young. He, he's, he's a baby. He's going to be, he should be a senior in high school next year playing in the SEC, which is, it's always a little scary. Uh, it's it's, it's, different level of, of football there. And I know he came from a big, from a big high school, but he didn't, it's, it's different in the SEC. Uh, Holden Saves would be a, a just a great way to bridge that gap. The guy was very athletic. He's you you mentioned his stats a little bit Ramath, you know, he, he he did a little bit at Notre Dame. Just would be a great way to bridge that gap. Hopefully JJF can get it done and uh and get it going.
1: And one thing I think Jalen Conyers was someone that OU liked, but needed they need someone that's a better blocker than what Jalen can provide um Holden given that he's a bigger body I think has the possibility to be that that better blocking tight end because as we've talked about before Oklahoma has talent in that room young but they do they don't really have those big bodies that you need now Devon Mitchell will come in and according to his 24-7 is about the same size as Holden Stace again as a guy that should be a senior in high school next year is listed at 643 45 um he's a big body but at, uh, at the end of the day you do need to learn a little bit of technique especially once you get into the college game on how to block especially as a tight end it's not an easy thing to do and assuming holden Sace can do that that's something oklahoma is definitely gonna value going into next year and making sure that you have someone that can kind of teach Devon the ropes and teach the other guys the ropes too, because again, you have talent. You just haven't really gotten to see it because their blocking abilities probably aren't to the level that you need them to be.
0: For sure. Um, You'd like to think that Oklahoma being the last visit would, would have the opportunity to really lock this thing down. Um, And Oklahoma needs a guy like him. And I certainly hope that they can, they can do so. And if not, they got to go get someone else. So, but that's all I've got for this show. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts, uh, Brandon? Do you have any a challenge?
2: We'll just do which of the guys we talked about, or guys that maybe that we didn't talk about. Would you most like to see Oklahoma land? Uh, I think all of us are in favor of hitting on some offensive lineman. That's going to be a monster. That would be my pick. I think I pick Chase Basantis as as my guy. But who do you, who would you guys have as your? you can only get one type type situation here
0: only get one that's tough i'd i probably would say uh chris mcclellan i know the offensive line would be good but offensive line let's make it great so anyway made it this far be sure to like the video subscribe to the channel we're on our way to 6200 i think we're uh, about 60 subscribers away, so help us out. It's free and easy. Turn that notification bell on. You know, so you know when we go live and post videos. Uh, we go live every Tuesday night, 8:30 PM Central. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, and TikTok. Everything's linked in the description below. We'll catch you guys next time.